Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. Zion is a superstar in the making. The minute he's on the court, he's a man child. He's a man amongst boys. You can see 90% of the league scared to take an offensive foul against him, and we know, we know why. That's a big brother right there. He's lost weight. He looks in shape. I like what I'm seeing because if he's healthy, if he's healthy, the New Orleans Pelicans could be in the conference finals. If he's healthy, they can do it. With that brother, yes, they can. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast. I am Joe Cardosi, joined by the lugubrious Jim Eichenhofer. Uh, Jim, you know, we've we've been through some ups and downs. You know, there's been some bright spots, but in some dark times, the, the Pelicans have been struggling a bit in preseason, but... Still some uh, some room for optimism. I know we're going to take the roller coaster ride today, but I guess we got to talk about it. Another Pell's loss, but you know, it, not the time to panic yet. But but you hope for some turnarounds. Yeah, and speaking of struggling, it's been a while since I've had to struggle to look up the definition of a word that you used to describe <laughs> me, and this is the case today as well. I will yeah. be on Google shortly after we record to find out what lugubrious means. I promise it's appropriate. Okay, excellent. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. Um, it's, been a, it's been a rough preseason if you're just looking at bottom line results. Obviously, they've lost three games, and I think more to the point, they've had stretches where they've really struggled, and it's been, been a, you know, not good performance. Um, the starting five has definitely had some stretches where, you know, I think Willie Green was pretty blunt about this on Saturday that he wasn't happy with the way things were going. Yep. And um, but I, I think he w- wasn't calling him out. He was calling him up, by the way. Exactly. Um, I thought Saturday, the, the second we'll get into more detail on the Atlanta game later in the show. But um, fortunately, there were some positives. I, I'm sure there's people who watched the first two and a half, three quarters, and said, I'm done. I'm not watching this game anymore. And if you did that, you missed um, the second string, the third unit, um, doing some positive stuff in the fourth quarter and rallying them back. I mean, we talk about from time to time how long NBA games are. Atlanta was up 29 in the third quarter, so you're thinking, okay, there's no way possible that they're going to get back in this game. And they actually did get to the point where they got a couple more stops and made a couple more shots. They Maybe actually won the game. Yeah, I think they got it down to four or five. I mean, obviously they lost by five, so it was tight at the end. But yeah, right. the, the that group of guys definitely did some good stuff at, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and again, it is the preseason. It's it's not the time to panic, and you are seeing a lot of wrinkles getting ironed out. And, you know, and as we said, Willie Green uh, calling him up, uh, not call him out. Yeah, I mean, in this clip, he basically talks about how things were not going well you know, midway through the third quarter, early in the third quarter on Saturday, had a little discussion with the starters, and then they played better, and then that carried over to to the second unit and the third unit. So Willie just talks about, you know, kind of what his tone was, you know, two and a half quarters into Saturday's game. Yeah, you know, it started in kind of midway, you know, last, I'll say, eight-minute mark in the third quarter with our starters. Um, Just 
challenged them a bit and just said, look, other teams right now are creating habits. They're playing with toughness. They're taking care of the ball. They're rebounding. They're driving the ball, getting to the basket, and we're walking. Um, we're not talking defensively. And to their credit, they had a four or five minute span where they picked it up. And that momentum trickled into the rest of the team. And the second unit came in and second, second and a half unit came in. And to their credit, uh, Trey Jimison, uh, Jordan, Kyra, Dyson, um, Kaiser Gates, Sebron, they all came in and they just played their hearts out. And they played the way we want to play. That was one good thing uh, you did see uh, out of the Pelicans. It, and, and at a time when you saw a little bit of loafing, uh, sort of some bad shot decision-making, some bad shots getting jacked up, seeing that second unit come in and stabilize things uh, had to be a little heartening, I think, especially when that game seemed so out of hand when they were getting thrown in there. It could have seemed like, well, uh, it's on fire anyway. Throw the second unit in there. But they actually helped to stabilize things, showed a lot of effort. And uh, I, I think it was good to see, Jim. Definitely. And, and, you know, I wonder, based on some of what we just heard in the clip from from Willie Green, watching some of these first couple preseason games, some of the teams specifically that they've played against, I think in some ways they have a little bit more to prove. Yeah. Um, Orlando is kind of a team on the rise. Um, Atlanta has a bunch of guys. They made some moves in the offseason so that now their roles are a little uncertain as far as a little bit of their starting lineup, but a lot of their backups. Right. And then Houston seemed like the hungriest team in the league when the Pelicans played them in Birmingham. Yeah. So I think some of it is you have to see the Pelicans kind of raise that level of intensity and motivation to what the other teams are putting on the floor. Right. I'm not really concerned that we won't see that when the regular season starts, but I do think some of the results we've seen so far, it does seem like some of these teams have been, these opponents have been a little bit more ready to play in yeah. preseason so far, but we've seen the, you know, the second unit, the the backups for the Pelicans, I think have brought that kind of um, yeah. Approach to the court where I mean, all these guys have something to prove and something to yeah. I mean, to it's basically EJ Liddell's rookie year because uh, mm -hmm. he got a year taken off. You see Dyson Daniels looking fresh, and it, it just seems like like there's there are a lot of guys who are going to be trying to elbow their way into consistent uh, playing minutes, and and this is the time to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought um, on Saturday to Jordan Hawkins. First three quarters, really nothing special. But then in the fourth quarter, he goes off. Yeah, he makes uh, four three pointers during the second half. Um, I think I'll, actually just during the fourth quarter, ends up with seventeen points. Went five for eleven from three point range overall. Dyson Daniels had nine points, five assists, four steals, four rebounds. Just doing a, checking a lot of boxes, doing a yeah. lot of stuff overall. Um, EJ Liddell had ten points, three assists. Um, Kaiser Gates, which is another player that Willie Green mentioned, he's on a two-way contract. Mm -hmm. He knocked down a couple three-pointers. So, I mean, just across the board, uh, Darian Sebron, another guy yeah. um, who spent a lot of time in Birmingham last year, had nine points in 17 minutes, also had three assists. So um, this, the second unit actually had uh, um, a, a, a ton of assists. They had 20 of the team's 32 assists. So I think that kind of demonstrates a little bit of yeah. that when that group came in, onto the court, they were sharing the ball really well. Pelicans scored 36 points in the first half and then had 69 in the second half. So they almost doubled their production yeah. in the second half, which was a, a plus. But, yeah, we saw a lot of guys um, play some good minutes, which was very much welcomed after what we saw in the For first sure. half of 
not only that game, but the game on Thursday in Birmingham and as well. And good to see Jordan Hawkins uh, coming on. It, it almost seemed like a quiet 17 points in 22 minutes because it, it was sort of a slow uh, burn. It, it seemed mm-hmm. like he was going to struggle again in the beginning, and then uh, the consistency started coming on. It was good to see. Hopefully that boosts his confidence a little bit. And like I said, Dyson Daniels just – being a floor general, he's just consistent. It's not like he does a lot of dazzling plays that are going to end up on Sports Center mm-hmm. right now, but uh, it just looks like he he settles everyone down around him when he's there. Yeah, I think so. That's a good way to put it. He's definitely kind of a calming presence, and even though he's only been in the league for one year, I guess he's kind of the quote unquote veteran of that yeah. group. He's the guy who's played the most minutes in real NBA games among that those players that I listed and mentioned. A um, couple quick. Stats, too, from preseason overall through the three games. I know it's only preseason. It's only three games. It's a small sample size. But um, Dyson Daniels is shooting 42% on threes. Jordan Hawkins is shooting 39% on threes. So those are definitely good signs. The fact that, you know, maybe they're going to get, uh, you know, some really good punch from those guys as far as when you're when they're open which right. they will be a lot open when they're out there with some of the the big guns on this team that they'll be able to knock down those shots and uh, unfortunately we got to talk about some of the big guns that are going to lose time we, we talked about Najee's going to be out for a little bit although it doesn't look as bad as it as it did initially when you first saw him go down I mean I, I was initially thinking ACL or something mm-hmm. just the way it buckled right and now it seems like that may be uh, that maybe walked back a little bit. It seems like he's not as injured as maybe I might have been afraid of. And uh, Trey Murphy, of course, he's going to be out for uh, a chunk of the season, which we hate to see because it seemed like this was his time, you mm-hmm. know, to to be on the scene and and arrive. And uh, we hate to see that postponed, but they will be back. It seems. Yeah, and you know we'll get into more detail as far as just the overall group of guys that we're waiting to see get back on the court. But um, Willie Green. F- kind of talked about the status of of um, Najee Marshall and Herb Jones after Saturday's game. Um, Najee had a hyper, hyper-extended knee. Um, looks, to, looks to be fine, but we'll get an MRI and see see where he is. And uh, Herb had a basically a strained neck, a sore neck. So once again, same thing. We'll, we'll just check on him from day to day. So heartening news there, Jim. It's uh, great to hear from Coach Willie Green. You know he's a straight shooter. Uh, so it seems like we may not be as uh, as in dire straits as we thought we were when we first saw that injury. Yeah, the Pelicans released a medical update on Najee Marshall on Sunday afternoon. Not sure if everyone saw it. It was kind of right in the middle of the Saints game, but yeah. he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So hopefully based on that timeline, he's only going to miss the very beginning of the regular season. Yeah. Um, seems like based on that timetable that he definitely won't play in the game Memphis on October 25th which is only nine days from now and then the home opener against the Knicks is um, about two weeks from now so we'll see where that goes Um, didn't hear anything further on Herb Jones so hopefully that was something where you know if it was a regular season game that we would have seen him back on the court yeah or that he's going to be fine just blows to the head you don't want to you know if it's a neck thing a head yeah it seems like they just didn't want to risk throwing him back out there to take more damage but it seems like he's he's okay for the most part yeah and you know you mentioned trey murphy nothing new on him we still hope to see him back and he he mentioned on media day he wants to hope to be back in november and then obviously the other two players jose alvarado actually tweeted on friday um quote i miss playing it's almost time so that would be a good sign to me that hopefully we'll see him him back on the floor. Larry Nance Jr. has not tweeted lately about his physical status, but he did tweet about how he's about to announce a community project okay. um, in New Orleans. So 
Hopefully the news is good on him as well. Fingers um, crossed. Hopefully, you know, this week we'll get to see maybe both of those guys hopefully will be able to get more on the practice court. Um, but as we record this Monday morning, nothing officially new on either of those players, but I'm guessing that we'll hear more from Willie Green maybe as the week progresses um, yeah. as far as what their status is going to be. Look, let's just hope that they can take a page out of whatever Aaron Rodgers is doing. I'm looking at the TV behind you. He's walking without crutches after tearing his ACL. His mm. own coach is calling him a freakazoid. We need to get whatever hyperbolic chamber, whatever he's using, and get it into the Pelicans uh, facility. Uh, I just hope for, for good health all around, and uh, we want to see the team whole as we roll into the season. And uh, we got the Orlando game on the morrow, my friend. And uh, I guess the Pels have got to get ready. Yeah, this will be a rematch. They played the Magic here um, last week. I thought the beginning, first half of the game was went pretty well against the Magic, but then Orlando really took over in the second half. Yeah. Um, we, we don't know, again, as we record this Monday morning, I'm not sure what the plan is as far as how many minutes the starters are going to play. Right. Willie Green said before the first preseason game against Orlando that um, the, he wanted to kind of ramp up their minutes, and he has gradually increased their minutes each game um, in terms of how much they're going to play. So that'll be something that we'll, we'll also monitor, you know, in the next day plus is, you right. know, how much are we going to see them against the Magic. Um, my, uh, my matchup to watch for that game is going to be the Pelicans starters versus Orlando starters. Yep. Obviously, we heard earlier in the show that what what Willie Green said about you know kind of addressing that group and telling them what he wants to see from them. So right. that'll be something to to watch during the game Tuesday. Um, Orlando's starting group uh, had a lot of encouraging moments. Wendell Carter Jr. played really well in the pre- other preseason game. Franz Wagner played really well. Um, so that that'll be something to to, to check out. And my player to watch is going to be EJ Liddell. Yeah. He had 10 points in the game Saturday against Atlanta. And to me, that was the best he's looked so far in preseason as he re- comes back from the being out all of what would have been his rookie season with a knee injury. Yeah, so, another guy that adds some physicality, too. He looks noticeably bulked up. He was never yeah. a, th- a thin-framed guy, but he, but he looks uh, like Dyson. looks like he's bulked up, and he's uh, he looks ready to go, man. Yeah, so I'm, I'm encouraged by the way he played and, and basically just looking to see him build on what he did Saturday. Um, he was also four for four from the field and two for two from three point range. So 10 points on four shots. I think we will take that. Every Absolutely. Time. Yes. Efficiency is always welcome. Um, and, and, you know, speaking of things that are always welcome, I see a, a fog, a bit of a haze uh, sort of emanating in the room. The, the lights are flickering. That can only mean one thing, a gym rant, I guess. Yes, it does. Joe. <laughs> All right. Well, people, uh, get on your helmets, get on your pads, get ready to run through a wall. Jim is ready to take us all on a journey with his rants. You know, you mentioned how there's some steam and there's some fog. You know, there was, but this is actually going to be a positive Jim rant. I know. Oh, there's fairy dust. Hey, everybody. It's time for a Jim rant. Jim rant. (laughs) Jim rant. (laughs) Jim rant. All right, you don't see those very often, but but this is going to be one. Basically, what I wanted to talk about today was just... So basically, the NBA last week 
had kind of a press conference where they brought in some national media people, some important uh, dignitaries from the media field. Sure. I was not invited somehow, but I that's how okay. can you say that if you weren't there? Yeah, they exactly. had some people there, right. but you weren't. So right. whatever. And the, and the purpose of this meeting was basically uh, Joe Dumars from the NBA league office talked about how they want to reemphasize that this is an 82 game league. Um, it's not a 60 game league. It's not a 40 game league. Yep. And basically um, the gist of what his conversation was, was we've got to do something about getting players on the court more. I'm all behind this. I'm totally supportive yep. of this. I think they've made some good decisions and some moves as far as, for example, you now have to play in 65 games to be eligible for the individual NBA awards. Yeah. Um, there's a couple disclaimers with some of the rules that they've put in, but um, this is a this is another good step. Now, yeah. is it going to rectify and solve every single instance that fans complain about or that I complain about in terms of star players not playing in games? No, of it's not going to be the some something that fixes everything. Yeah, nothing's going to be a panacea, but at least it's a step in the right direction. They're addressing something that both casual and uh, locked-in fans have been talking about for a very long time. And I think everyone can still agree that for some of the players who have long-term injuries or people that are coming off of off-season surgery, for example, right. um, Kawhi Leonard is somebody that people talk about all the time as an example of, can we please get this guy on the court more? Yeah. There are some stipulations where the league is saying, you know, like if you, if you have a specific situation where you're recovering from something, um, you can still sit out a game games here and there based on the circumstances. I don't think people overall have a problem with that. It's more of the, just, um, this guy played three games in a row and now he can't play a fourth game because it's four games and tired seven. It used to be four games and five nights was like the big thing. Now it's like, okay, he's played three games in six days, so he can't play that that seventh day yeah. kind of thing. So, um, again, I like it. I, I do think, too, that um, one of the conclusions that Joe Dumars made and Adam Silver also made, has talked about repeatedly over the pa- probably the past year, is that the idea of load management and keeping some of the guys off the court based on scientific data yeah. – the the goal of that was to reduce injuries and to yeah, long term injuries right and to also to kind of make sure that they you want to be able to keep them on the court more ultimately yeah basically what's happened though is that there hasn't been any decrease in injuries in fact there may actually have been an increase in injuries plus you have guys that are sitting out that are healthy yep. so i think from the league standpoint the league is saying um what's the upside here right we ba- gave an inch and you took a mile and mm-hmm. now we got to figure something out right there's no there's no benefit because if the injuries are still the same or worse and you're having more guys that are getting dmps yep. even for instances where they always played in the past so one of the things that the league's talked about that i think is really interesting is just the fact that there's they basically say that there's no data that backs up the idea that this has worked. So basically they're saying, you know, if, if the way that things have, have been approached is not actually yielding a positive right. result, then why are we doing this? Yeah. So um, there's going to be a lot of push and pull, I'm sure, between the league and teams because teams have their own 
objectives and their own priorities. Well, it's an interesting move too. Generally, once you once you give a right or an allowance to to someone in a league, it's hard to take that back away uh, right. because they they have already figured out how to use it to their advantage or they already have a mechanism for it. So once you give something, it's it's hard to take it back off the table. But once again, Adam Silver even uh, bringing that up as a possibility is shows how innovative the league is. That yeah, if if you misuse this, we will take it back off the table. And I also think too that. There's a very important part of the message that you send to people that I feel like I don't want to say has been completely ignored, but I do think that from the a lot of teams' perspective, they don't think about this. I don't want to say they don't care, but it's definitely not a priority. To me, the message that you send by telling people this game isn't that important, therefore we're not going to play yeah. Luka Doncic or play some of the other guys that have been kind of gets periodic games off right even if they're not they don't really have a full-fledged injury it's more like we're just doing this because we want to rest Knee them soreness yeah, right the, the message that you send over time to fans is we don't even think this game is that important so i don't understand how you're going to get to the point where you th- tell people we want you to spend a lot of money on stuff if you yourself yeah. are saying that it's not important to us. Well, I mean, so, if you're one of those people who like brought your family out, drove an hour, an hour and a half, however long, you know, far away you live from an arena, and then get there, spend a bunch of money to park, get some concessions, and then the team is basically telling you like, yeah, we don't care. Right. Uh, I mean, you right. feel like a rube. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like yeah. you got fleeced for no reason. Mm-hmm. So, so of course, it's something that needs to be addressed uh, it's, it sounds like some old guy like back in my day talk, but it right. is a legitimate problem that mm-hmm. a lot of fans have grievances about, you know, feeling fleeced. Right. I mean, I, the, one of the analogies I would use is that if you kind of put it in everyday terms, if you went to a grocery store and you went, always went there to buy bread or milk and some t- like one fifth of the time, the milk wasn't good. And one fifth <laughs> right. of the time, the bread was stale. Yeah. Would you go back to that grocery store? Yeah. I definitely wouldn't. So, um, again, it's, this isn't going to. The, the efforts that the no one thing that the league does to me is going to fix sure. everything. But when you combine They're all trying. these different these different efforts, including sure. the in season tournament, to to send the message that you know this part of the regular season is important and we want to stress that, I think that's super key and something that I want to see the league and teams continue to try to chip away at yeah. this idea that either parts of the regular season or the regular season as a whole is not important. I mean, think about this too. Sacramento just made the playoffs last year. They hadn't made the playoffs since 2006. They had a 17-year stretch where they were never in the playoffs. So if your mentality is the only thing that matters is the playoffs and not the regular season, that meant the Kings went 17 years of not playing any basketball that <laughs> right. means anything. So, yes, yeah. I mean, you can't operate that way. The regular season has to have well, some. I mean, they're married. They're conjoined. One right. leads to the other. I mean, mm-hmm. the effort and the and the work you put in in the regular season generally carries over to the postseason. You can't just turn it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, everyone would. If there was right. just a flip to switch, you have to have that in your DNA leading into the postseason. The only way to do that is regular minutes, gelling cohesively with a regular starting five, and hoping to get your guys on the court showing maximum effort when they're ready. And I think I'm fine if people want to have the perspective or the emphasis of saying, okay, in terms of what I think is important, 50% of it is regular season, 50% of it is playoffs. But I feel like as time has gone on, we've kind of slowly adopted this mentality that it's like, 10% 10% of is regular season, 90% is playoffs. Yes. And so I think that's a real problem when you consider that the regular season is, you know, people complain that maybe the playoffs are too long, but regular either way, long, regular man. season is from October until April. Yeah. So you're talking parts of seven months where there's regular season basketball. So you can't, 
you can never treat that as like, ah, eh, well, we'll just wait around until the playoffs and then we'll right. we'll get invested. You're in missing it, so. most of basketball, right? If you do that, I don't even know how you know what's going on unless you're just reading tweets from other people and regurgitating what you read. Uh, but it's it's it really is important in terms of those soft tissue injuries where you need to keep them warm. You can't just sit. You can't just mm-hmm. uh, let those things stagnate. Uh, seeing these players actually like addressing injuries, seeing the league actually addressing these injuries in an interesting way, uh, where both it, it deals with the player uh, safety issue, but it also is addressing some fan concerns. I think it's a nice blend, uh, a nice approach for them to take. I think Adam Silver's doing a lot of good stuff here. And again, there's people out there that know infinitely more than about this than I do in terms of the specifics of the player injuries, the specifics of the player rehab and recovery. But I do think that there's kind of a groundswell that's growing of people who have started to make the point too of, um, are we sure that the more we protect the players, the the more that it's actually helping them avoid injuries? I think in some ways, the more you treat some of the players with kid gloves, the more you make them vulnerable and susceptible to injury. And the one thing that I heard someone say a few years ago that I thought was such a good analogy was, do you train for a marathon by not running? Yeah. And I would say you can apply that to some extent to basketball yeah. where it's like if you if you um, maintain guys, quote-unquote maintain guys all season, and then in the playoffs it's like, okay, now we need you to play 40 of the most intense minutes that you've played all year. And it's a nonstop sport. That's the thing about baseball, football. There's so much starting, stopping, waiting, mm-hmm. in between plays. There's so much trading off. Basketball, you are constantly on the floor moving on both sides of the ball. You have to be in physical shape. You right. have to be ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I, I do wonder, and again, there's people that know way more than I do about this, but I do wonder if some of the injuries, I think Adam Silver has mentioned this too, that not only – have injuries not decreased, but they've actually probably gone up. I wonder how much of that is from that you maintain them and keep them under wraps for a long time, and then all of a sudden, boom, they have to play more and more intense basketball. Or are they listing injuries that are not actual injuries? That's that part are being of it. Nursed yeah, I and, think so. And having to sit the players, and that's mm-hmm. part of the you know, there's just so many things that go into it. I think it's going to be interesting to see how players respond uh, to this and and see how how happy it makes some of them. But I guess we're going to see this season. And here's the one final point too. I want to make the players. I think want to play basketball, so I don't think in a lot of cases. I don't think it's fair in, in, in many – there might be some exceptions, but in most instances I think it's unfair for people to say like, you know, these guys are making so much money and they don't want to play basketball. I think in a lot of cases it's really the teams themselves that are keeping players sure. off the court. So Yeah, most players have to be saved from themselves by mm-hmm. uh, more cool-headed figures in the organization. And you don't, you don't get to this level as a player – unless you wanted to play basketball. You, if, yeah. if they have to drag you out there, your your NBA career is very short unless yeah. you're extraordinarily talented that you just can get by on that, which there's not many guys that that fits the case. Yeah. So, I mean, most of the players that have made it to the NBA, they want to play basketball as much as possible. So, yeah, um, so yeah I, I don't want to turn this into either of me targeting the players and saying, like, right. yeah, th- what a bunch of bums that don't want to play basketball. I think... They're totally cool with playing, but in a lot of cases, they're being held off the court. Yeah, absolutely, and it's just one of those things. You you have to sort of start some sort of movement to to fix it. You have to start somewhere, and this is a place to start, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, turns out. That actually was a, a an interesting gym rant. It was a little happy. I, I don't feel as scared and trembly as I usually do after a gym rant. Uh, so, yeah, I, I actually feel good. Yeah, it was, it was kind of trying to 
it was more of an encouraging Jim Rand. It was yes. more of a like, hey, I like what I'm seeing, and let's see more of this as opposed to, yes. to me trying to tear something down. Jim coaching him up. Look at that. Uh, Jim always has the good Jim foe, and uh, it looks like we are going to be rolling into another preseason game and not far away from the regular season, so you're going to start seeing those muscles exercised and uh, more Jim rants ahead, I can assure you. Uh, big thanks to Mr. Jim Eichenhofer uh, for hopping on the podcast with all the big info and all the great sound. Big thanks to you for listening to the Pelicans podcast. We will talk to you once again on Wednesday. And until then, go hell. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here.